Rain falls constantly. I am sad and disappointed. Bruised and mangled. Lean dead hands protrude from bombed houses. There is a statue of the Virgin Mary. Dear mother, this crippled form is still your child. I have talked and walked and smoked with the armless, the legless, the blind. There is no clear reason. It's a meaningless and circular loop of fact. Mangled and bruised as I am, bruised and mangled. My secrets are of the grave and must be kept. And this is how I sometimes think of myself, as a great explorer who has discovered some extraordinary land from which he can never return to give his knowledge to the world. But the name of this land is hell. Everything is a little distorted. There's a broken crucifix. And a soldier tied to a death's head. Bent over. The croucher. He lived nightly and drank daily and died playing the ukulele. Son of man, can this exceeding great army become a valley of bones? And you see here, here's a letter. It is the valley of bones that will become a great army. It is a great army that is shortly to become a wasteland of bones. The modernist wasteland of fragments old and new. Mm -hmm. 
I think I know a good deal about physical suffering, but this is worst of all to feel your soul dying. I wonder if it is because tonight my soul has really died that I feel, at the moment, something like peace. Or is it because right through hell there is a path, and though I may not take it sometimes lately in dreams, I have been able to see it. Suddenly from outside a bell spoke out, then ceased abruptly. Dolente, dolore. Over the town in the dark, tempestuous night, backwards revolved the luminous wheel. Poverty drives people more surely than morality or even love. He remembered his freighter with a cargo of animals. There had been not only lions, but elephants, tigers, jaguars, all bound for a zoo. The panthers died. In the Indian Ocean at night, the lions roared, the elephants trumpeted and vomited so that none save the carpenter dared go forward. When they smashed into the hurricane, the jaguars moaned in terror like frightened children. No forest had ever plunged so deeply in the long, bending winds as that ship. Disabled, but still alive. Dear mother, this helpless thing is still your son. In an ambivalent, agonizing place of half-life. It makes me shiver to feel him wheeling after us. You half-baked Lazarus. What is held aloft to the sky is smashed down to the ground. Heroes become victims. Riches turn to poverty. Love turns to hate. Life turns to death. Joy turns to sorrow. We are poised in a no man's land of existential pain. attention to your trouser button and see him if you will for yourself the syphilitic as he strolls aimfully down great homer street look how everyone he touches is smitten with a dire disease it is just that one little word the word that kills this is he the human husk the leaf of ash Functionalism also played an important role in the building of hospitals and healthcare centers. 
A good example of this is the Paimio Sanatorium, designed by Alvar Aalto. Stripped of meaning, indifferent and unheeding, dancing in the room beyond. Aalto also understood the psychological effects of a pleasant surrounding. Cracking jokes on the edge of the abyss. Glass wall partitions, specific attention to lighting and color, with special emphasis on the color yellow. Rain falls constantly. The furniture was planned to be a part of the entity. I am sad and disappointed. A kind of Gesamtkunstwerk. Bruised and mangled. He goes into another saloon. From this he emerges cunningly repaired. Lean dead hands protrude from bombed houses. Again the pilgrimage starts. Aldo's work, especially the furniture, was also early functionalist. Perhaps like the poor cat who had lost an eye in a battle, he is just looking for his sight. Near him, arrogant, bearded derelicts cringe Dear over mother. spittoons. And of these men, he seems afraid. He wanders from saloon to saloon as though searching for something, but always keeping the hospital in sight. Once he stops in a church, his lips moving something like a prayer. Inside, it is cool. Around the walls are pictured the stages of the cross. Nobody seems to be looking. He likes drinking in churches particularly, but afterwards he comes to a place not like a church at all. This is the hospital. All day he has hovered around it. Now it looms up closer than ever. Mangled and bruised as I am. Tilting the bottle to his mouth, he takes a long, final draught. Bruised and mangled. With the dithering crack of a ship going on the rocks, the door shuts behind him. How do you know? You don't sign your name? How come you don't sign your name when you go to work? Don't you know? Don't you know your name? I know. I know my name. Ah, uh, no. How do you know you're there? Everything you're is a little distorted. <laughs> I know. There's a broken crucifix. finally left on the Tuesday morning early at about a quarter to two. This particular map had at one time been very familiar to me. I had always associated it with night. Perhaps the map had hung on a bedroom wall somewhere. I forget. Astagarth was the first measuring place. Once past it, it was impossible to go back. I had heard that one or two had been able to turn back just before they reached Astagarth, but that was rare. The second city was Cantalupis. This was one of the catalogue drawings. I bought a lot of them surreptitiously and kept them in a suitcase. The paper was poor stuff. Asgadin. It was in two parts, both of them silent. I remember this map came with a letter accusing me of stealing eggs. I had never understood the relationship of the map to the accusation. I still don't, but I'm grateful for the map. After Asgadin came Manafia, 34 miles from Astagarth. The road was very clearly marked, very red.
drawing, I remember, illustrated a theory about blood oranges, or perhaps it was about pomegranates. The fifth city was Balladrobe. This drawing was a frontispiece to a novel by Hasper Fulbatz called The Ringed Woman. Fulbatz was a pioneer naturalist, one of the first to promote the ringing of birds to check on their movements. After some 20 years of this practice, in which time Fulbatz and his wife must have ringed some 25,000 birds, he decided that the information gained was not to be trusted. He came to the conclusion that information from a ringed bird was not the same as information from a bird. Fulbatz tried to curb the enthusiasm he had helped to pioneer, and half in earnest, half in jest, to draw a behavioural parallel, he wrote his erotic novel in which the heroine is ringed. The daily routine was beginning. Presently the rooms were filled with the dreadful noise of shuffling feet. Watching them, he gradually thought he understood the meaning of death. Not as a sudden dispatch of violence, but as a function of life. Outside, he felt no sense of release, only inquietude. He kept gazing back with a sort of longing at the building that had been his home. Fulbatt's wife did the illustrations, but they never appeared when the novel was published. Where this illustration fits in the novel is not clear. After Balladrome was Dormis, a sedate place. Dormis was 79 miles from Astigarth and 33 from Asgadin. This drawing came by post unsigned on a birthday I had spent in bed with chickenpox. Another of the catalogue drawings. I was told to keep it on permanent loan by the security officer who stole it. The Scarlet Brick Road was still unmistakable. This city is unnamed. If it had a name, I forget it. After one unnamed city, I came upon another. This one had good pavements. It surprised me a little. It reminded me of a seaport, though it was far from the sea. And then Antilope. According to Tulse Looper, Antilope in Syria was the home of a unique species of black maritime rook that mated with seagulls. That was obviously another Antilope. miles from Astagar. Returning to the saloon, he picked out a secluded place to sit where they brought his whiskey. But feeling he was being watched, even there, he moved later, drink in hand, to the very obscurest corner of the bar, where, curled up like an embryo, he could not be seen at all. looked at the sun, but he had lost the sun. It was not his sun. Like the truth, it was well nigh impossible to face. He did not want to go anywhere near it, least of all sit in its light facing it. He lay back in his chair, next a key wattle and popper caterpillar, that image of the perfect marriage lay now clear and beautiful on the horizon under an almost pure morning sky. Far above him, a few white clouds were racing windily after a pale, gibbous moon. Drink all morning, they said to him. Drink all day. This is life. Enormously high, too, he noticed some vultures waiting, more graceful than eagles, as they hovered there like burnt papers floating from a fire. The shadow of an immense weariness stole over him. My brother found this drawing under the lining paper in one of the drawers of a desk he'd bought from a judge. 
He had the drawing framed and glazed, and he hung it on the wall in his house. The drawing was stolen by a woman, the companion of one of the invited guests at the christening party of my brother's eldest daughter. The woman hid the drawing under a shawl embroidered with peacocks. As she was leaving in the crush of guests at the front door, the glass in the picture frame broke, splintering her arm and her breast. She fainted. When she came to, she was very embarrassed, said her name was Coraligiano. She offered a cheque to cover the damages. According to my brother, the red on the road is blood, type A. A skull. The consul fell asleep with a crash. And his hands show like those of a skeleton. Oozing alcohol from every pore. How sensible to have had a mescal, how sensible. For it was the right, the sole drink to have under the circumstances. Son of man, can this exceeding great army become a valley of bones? It is the valley of bones that will become a great army. It is a great army that is shortly to become a wasteland of bones. Moreover, he had not only proved to himself he was not afraid of it, he was now fully awake, fully sober again, and well able to cope with anything that might come his way. But for this slight continual twitching and hopping within his field of vision as of innumerable sand fleas... Tulse Looper suggested my journey through H needed 92 maps. Anticipating my question, he suggested the time to decide what H stood for was at the end of the journey, and by that time it scarcely mattered. This drawing had been found one day in my luggage. I returned it to the hotel clerk. There were no claimants, and the hotel posted it onto me. And this, I had always been led to believe, was an unrealized plan for a park at Staines, with a bandstand. It seemed indeed that the park had been realized, but not in Staines. This drawing had belonged to my aunt. For 57 years, I thought it was a plan of her garden. She died of food poisoning after eating an omelette. The map began to fade before I had crossed two-thirds of the territory it represented. All that remained on the paper was a mark that could have been a signpost or the skeleton of a windmill. All those 13 maps whose territory I had passed through had faded, and in their place on each sheet was the same mark, or one very much like it. I hurried till I was sure that I had reached the territory of the next map, the 14th. It was a small drawing that I'd admired, by a man who was an inspector of mazes. I had expected it to be an invaluable asset, but it faded before I had walked less than a third of its territory. The maps not only faded with use, they faded after the allotted time for their use had become exhausted. I ran to keep pace with the 15th map. It faded as I reached its furthest edge. I hurried on. I was 161 miles from Astagar. I was using the 16th map and I was running. I was encouraged by the sight of a bird. If it could rest, so perhaps could I. I slowed up, apprehensively. This is a map made by an exiled pianist as a directive to the members of his band. He could not foresee that his musical and topographical instruction should be used backwards. As a cartographer, he was not appreciated in his own country. I had sent away for a plan of Anna Skoll and had received this map in return. It was accompanied with a note saying Anna Skoll didn't exist, but would this do? It was too late to argue at the time, so I kept it. I was never able to trace its identity until now. 
perhaps had stopped fading. Unless there was some other reason unaccounted for, it looked as though I had discovered the correct walking pace. This drawing was bought on my behalf from a traveller who said she had made the journey before. I'd paid a lot for it. I thought at the time that any journey she might take would be worth taking. The road was clearly marked, perhaps too clearly. Modernist wasteland of fragments old and new. The only thing wrong with him, he was too hot. But look here, hang it all, it is not altogether darkness. You misunderstand me if you think it is altogether darkness, I see. And if you insist on thinking so, how can I tell you why I do it? But if you look at that sunlight there, then perhaps you'll get the answer. See, look. Look at the way it falls through the window. What beauty can compare to that of a cantina in the early morning? Not even the gates of heaven opening wide to receive me could fill me with such celestial, complicated and hopeless joy as the iron screen that rose up with a crash. All mystery, all hope, all disappointment, yes, all disaster is here beyond those swinging doors. And by the way, do you see that old woman from Tarasco's sitting in the corner? How, unless you drink as I do, can you hope to understand the beauty of an old woman from Tarasco who plays dominoes at seven o'clock in the morning? Poverty drives people more surely than morality or even love. Disabled but still alive. Dear mother, this helpless thing is still your son. In an ambivalent, agonizing place of half-life It makes me shiver to feel him wheeling after us. You half-baked Lazarus. What is held aloft to the sky is smashed down to the ground. Heroes become victims. Riches turn to poverty. Love turns to hate. Life turns to death, joy turns to sorrow. We are poised in a no man's land of existential pain.
fell ill for six weeks with food poisoning. You're late. Late? I, I don't understand. I didn't even know you were coming here. Stop talking nonsense, Ross. Now, where's Betty? I haven't the slightest idea where she is. You're lying. You kidnapped her before and kept her with that damn countess woman, and now you've done it again. Yes. At the end of autumn, I was offered a job as keeper of the owls at Amsterdam Zoo. Top sense, Conrad. You know why I kidnapped Betty in the first place. To get those letters from you. Yes, well, I gave you the letters and the documents. Now you double-cross me. What's the idea? Conrad, listen, I know nothing about Betty. I haven't the faintest idea where she is. No. 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 I arrived in Amsterdam to find that the job had been taken by Van Huyten. Then why did you send me this note with Betty's glove? What note? Well, since you want to play fun and games, I'll read it to you. This glove will prove that Betty is with me and is quite safe. If you want your daughter back, meet me in room four at the Signet Hotel, Pangbourne, at 11.30 tomorrow morning. Elliot France. May I see the signature? He also suggested to the zoo authority that I was a saboteur. Well, I didn't send this note. No. 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 Now look, Franz, you were awkward with me once before. You used my case history to blackmail me. I was prepared to pay money, but not a word for you. No. 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 But I had three times tried to burn down the Bosphorus Observatory. Well? I've got photostat copies of those letters of your case history. I could sell them tomorrow to any newspaper in the world. Look, Conrad... I can only tell you the truth and hope you have the sense to believe me. I've not seen Betty since the day she was released, and I'm completely in the dark as to where she is now. Is that the truth? No. No? Yes. Van Huyten stayed on as owlkeeper of the Amsterdam Zoo. He telephoned you? Yes. Last night. Good Lord. Yes. What's the matter? He sent this note. Yes. He intended we should meet. Yes. He knew that as soon as we came face to face, we'd start talking about... Yes. What is it? There's a microphone in this room. Yes. He'd been lured away from his idiom, and I had been the lure. Somewhere? Nonsense. It isn't nonsense. Yes. I found the wire. Yes. They must be in the next room. Yes. What are you going to do? What do you think I'm going to do? I'm getting out of here. Yes. Of course it isn't locked. No. 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 Yes. When I returned to London, Telstuper said that no one would follow up with that. Let me try. Stop, I tell you, from the outside. The catalogue should be completed by some disinterested person. Good morning, Dr. Conrad. I know Miss Shubit, put that gun down. You'd better give me that gun, Doctor. Stand back, all of you. I warn you, I shan't hesitate to shoot. No. An ornithologist with no ulterior motive. Look out! He's jumped from the balcony. Are you speaking for the car park? No. Yes. No. Yes. No. Yes. No. Yes. Look out! <laughs> Success is like some horrible disaster. Worse than your house burning. The sounds of ruination as the roof tree falls. Following each other faster while you stand. The helpless witness of your damnation. Fame like a drunkard consumes the house of the soul. Exposing that you have worked for only this. Ah, that I had never suffered this treacherous kiss and had been left in darkness forever to founder and fail. Oh. <laughs> It'll break here. I don't, I don't get it. One thing I'd like to say is that 
I don't live in a prison. And I'm not afraid of anything. I haven't built any walls around myself. I am just like anyone else. I need love. And water. And I don't. really consider myself a superstar. I live in a small town and I always will because I can walk around That's all I want to be. That's all I ever tried to be. I didn't know what was going to happen. I just, I believe in God. Dancing girls. It's apples. And his oranges. There's only one God. Dancing girls. It's apples. And his oranges. And I believe in the afterworld. Hopefully. I am um, been accused of a lot of things contrary to this. I just want people to know that I'm very sincere in my beliefs. And I pray every night. And I don't ask for much. I just say thank you. I have now reached a position where every night I write five novels in imagination, but am unable to write a word. I cannot explain in human terms the incredible effort it has cost me to write even this silly little note. And now the rain. Let it come. Rain falls constantly. I am sad and disappointed. Bruised and mangled. There is a statue of the Virgin Mary. Dear Mother, this crippled form is still your child. I have talked and walked and smoked with the armless, the legless, the blind. Why are we here? That's what I want to know. There is no clear reason. It's a meaningless and circular loop of fact. To have and to hold forever, evermore. Mangled and bruised as I am, bruised and mangled. Everything is a little distorted. There's a broken crucifix and a soldier tied to a death's head, bent over the croucher. Skull, and his hands show like those of a skeleton. And the hand of the Lord was upon me, and he said unto me, Son of man, 
Can this exceeding great army become a valley of bones? It is the valley of bones that will become a great army. It is a great army that is shortly to become a wasteland of bones. A modernist wasteland of fragments old and new. Poverty drives people. More surely than morality, or even love. Traitors in a wheelchair, paralyzed from the waist down. Dear mother, this helpless thing is still your son. Disabled, but still alive. In an ambivalent, agonizing place of half-life, Women's eyes passed from him to the men that were whole. It makes me shiver to feel him reeling after us. You half-baked Lazarus. I've put up with you all the evening, so don't force me now to rough-handle the bit of life that Jerry's left you as a souvenir. 100% total incapacitation. The principle of disintegration in even the most complacent solidities. What is held aloft to the sky is smashed down to the ground. Heroes become victims. Riches turn to poverty. Love turns to hate. Life turns to death. Joy turns to sorrow. We are poised in no man's land of existential pain stripped of meaning, indifferent and unheeding, dancing in the room beyond. too, both on the ocean and in the stomach. Night, and once again the nightly grapple with death. The room shaking with demonic orchestras, the snatches of fearful sleep, the voices outside the window, my name being continually repeated with scorn by imaginary parties arriving, the darks spinets. As if there were not enough real noises in these nights, the color of gray hair, not like the rending tumult of American cities, the noise of the unbandaging of great giants in agony, but the howling pariah dogs, the cocks that held dawn all night, the drumming, the moaning, I will go to the bank by the wood and become undisguised and naked. I am mad for it to be in contact with me. The smoke of my own breath, echoes, ripples, buzzed whispers, love root, silk thread, crotch, and vine. My respiration and inspiration, the beating of my heart, the passing of blood and air through my lungs, the sniff of green leaves and dry leaves, and of the shore and dark-colored sea rocks, and of hay in the barn, the sound of the belched words of my voice loosed to the eddies of the wind, a few light kisses, a few embraces, a reaching around of arms, the play of shine and shade on the trees as the supple boughs wag. The delight alone, or in the rush of the streets, or along the fields and hillsides. The feeling of health, the full noon trill, the song of me rising from bed and meeting the sun. Just jumped.
softly. Shapes hovered by him, holding his hand, perhaps still trying to pick his pockets, or to help, or merely curious. He could feel life slivering out of him like liver, ebbing into the tenderness of the grass. He was alone. Where was everybody? Or had there been no one? Suddenly, he screamed. And it was as though this scream were being tossed from one tree to another as its echoes returned. Then, as though the trees themselves were crowding nearer, huddled together, closing over him, pitying, somebody threw a dead dog after him down the ravine. My secrets are of the grave and must be kept. And this is how I sometimes think of myself, as a great explorer who has discovered some extraordinary land from which he can never return to give his knowledge to the world. But the name of this land is Hell. Suddenly from outside, a bell spoke out, then ceased abruptly. Dolente, dolore. Over the town in the dark, tempestuous night, backwards revolved the luminous wheel.
poverty drives people more surely than morality or even love. Disabled, but still alive. You half-baked Lazarus. Stripped of meaning, indifferent and unheeding, dancing in the room beyond. Aldo also understood the psychological effects of a pleasant surrounding. Cracking jokes on the edge of the abyss. Glass wall partitions, specific attention to lighting and color, with special emphasis on the color yellow. Tuesday morning early at about a quarter to two. This particular map had at one time been very familiar to me. I had always associated it with night. Perhaps the map had hung on a bedroom wall somewhere. I forget. Presently the rooms were filled with a dreadful noise of shuffling feet. Watching them, he gradually thought he understood the meaning of death. Not as a sudden dispatch of violence, but as a function of life. Outside, he felt no sense of release, only inquietude. He kept gazing back with a sort of longing at the building that had been his home. After Palladrome was Dormis, a sedate place. Dormis was 79 miles from Astigar and 33 from Asgadin. This drawing came by post unsigned on a birthday I had spent in bed with chickenpox. Another of the catalogue drawings. I was told to keep it on permanent loan by the security officer who stole it. The skull at Brick Road was still unmistakable. This city is unnamed. If it had a name, I'd forget it. 
After one unnamed city, I came upon another. This one had good pavements. It surprised me a little. It reminded me of a seaport, though it was far from the sea. And then Antilope. Suddenly he screamed. He lay back in his chair. Next to Key Wattle and the Popocatapetl, that image of the perfect marriage lay now clear and beautiful on the horizon under an almost pure morning sky. Far above him, a few white clouds were racing windily after a pale, gibbous, dead dog after his death. Drink all morning, they said. Drink all day. This is life. Enormously high, too. He noticed some vultures waiting, more graceful than eagles, as they hovered there like burnt papers floating from a fire. The shadow of an immense weariness stole over him. A skull. It is the Valley of Bones that will become a great army. My secrets are of the grave and must be kept. And this is how I sometimes think of myself. As a great explorer who has discovered some extraordinary land. It is a land great army. And never returned to give his knowledge to the world. It is shortly to become a wasteland But the name of, of this land is hell. The bird came here when you saw it. No. No. 